Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is the show where we talk to cool people who make cool music. And today, as you may have guessed, is no exception because uh, we'll be talking to Zach Robinson, who you might know as DAD. I've had him on the show a few times over the years, uh, but now he is promoting the Cobra Kai soundtrack because he and a dude called Leo Bierenberg uh, made the music for Cobra Kai, the YouTube sequel to the Karate Kid franchise. And uh, we'll be talking to him later in the show and listening to the soundtrack, and uh, and it'll be a good time. And maybe we'll read some junk emails and do all the stuff we got to do. I hope everyone's having a lovely day. How about we start by listening to some music, get this show going, and then we'll fucking go. (laughs) I need, ah, every week, all I talk about is all the things I need. I need a script, I need a producer, I need money, I need a fucking schedule, I need a secretary. Jesus. (laughs) I need Jesus. All right, here's a cool track. Actually, I really like this one by 24-7, and it's from the album Neon, N-A-E-O-N, and this is the the title track. This is Neon by 24-7.
And that was 24-7 with the uh, the song Neon. And that's a cool one. I like the energy of that tune. And that, of course, was brought to you by Zencaster. Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. It's podcasting software, but it's like online. All right? you It's over the browser, man. God, I'm terrible at explaining this. If you have a podcast, okay, and you record multiple people, say like you're in your house and you've got your friend over Skype over in New York or in England or something and you do a show together, Zencaster is actually really, really cool and really easy to use. It sets up an automatic connection between you and all the people you want on the show. It records a separate audio stream for each person. I use Zencaster to record this show and uh, it's just really convenient and cool. So check it out. Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com. It's podcasting recording software for for podcasters. <laughs> but it's really cool. And if you go to the website, Zencaster.com, and you sign up, use the promo code BEYONDSYNTH to get 20% off. And also... Don't forget to check out Retro Revolutions. Retro Revolutions has been a, a good sponsor to Beyond Synth, and he makes cool videos on YouTube, which you should watch. The last one was he turned a, a Game Gear into uh, like a console version, because that's what he does. He takes like old video game electronics and then mods them and does interesting things with them. And so, and he shows you the process. So you actually see him like crack open the thing and then solder wires and put in new switches and all this stuff and uh the last video he's made a sega game gear but it's got like a video output and so when you can hook it to your tv then hook a controller into it and it's actually like on the screen and stuff so it's good stuff so check out retro revolutions on youtube he is at retro faith games on twitter and retro underscore revolutions on instagram so let's listen to more music this is a track from Condrath, and i like the vibe of this one it is cool i'm still sort of confused i feel like i follow him on uh i think on instagram on facebook and stuff and uh and i saw him singing some like ballad stuff with some lady and uh it was very different but that's cool man it's cool when people have these sort of varied musical interests of course you know my heart lies with the synth tunes and we're gonna listen to this one this is Condrath with the track goodbye again
right, and that was Condrath with the song Goodbye Again, and that's a cool one. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. So just in case I fuck up here, I'm going to... Maybe this is going to be the new thing I do, is I'm just going to make sure I say uh, on the top. At the top. At the top, uh, I will acknowledge all the new donors to the show, regardless of how much they donate, just so I don't forget. Because every week, whenever I do it, I get confused. I'm like... I'm an old man. (laughs) Anyways, uh, we got a new donor here, Christian James, in the fucking $25 club. Thank you so much, dude. Christian James is a cool guy, and I thank you for supporting the show, man. Uh, Yeah, I don't know anything about you, but I'm going to find out. That's my new thing I do. For the higher tier donors, I will go and uh, spy on your Facebook so I can come back and report to the listeners who you are. Would you like that? With all, <laughs> with all this <laughs> shit going around with internet privacy, I'm sure people would like to know that I'm just going to start uh, giving all your personal information. Infor- <laughs> Don't worry, your information's safe with me, man. It's all good. Thank you, Christian James. You're a cool guy. And uh, new donors in the $5 club, there's Mikey C. Hey, Mikey C. How's it going, dude? That is Mikey and the letter C. Just in case you were thinking it's like a Mikey C, Mikey do kind of thing. It is It is just Mikey C. And this week, Mikey has decided to uh, donate to Beyond Synth. So thank you very much. You're a cool guy, Mikey C. I expect great things from you. I don't know what that means. And uh, also a new $5 donor this week, Loki. The God of Thunder's brother. Wait. Is Thor the God of Thunder or the God of Lightning? Thor, God of Lightning. Hold on. Anyway, Loki's a trickster, but now I forget. Thor, God of Thunder. Yes, he is indeed the God of Thunder. All right, anyways, Loki is his brother. So thank you, Loki, for donating to the show, man. It means a lot to me when you guys donate. And now uh, let's just go to the $25 club, man. There's Clint Dowling, Christian James, like I just mentioned, Mike Shima, Joey and Kendra, Gregorio Franco, and Chris Dance. Thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. If you want to support the show for whatever reason... That these people have decided that uh, they think it's a good idea. What an odd sentence. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or check out beyondsynth.com, home to the Synthwave Artist Database. And uh, when you're there, you can just click the donate button. Or I think it says support the show. Either way, man, you click it, you get that sweet cash, I cash it out, and I go and buy myself a sack of cocaine, and uh, and that powers me up for one episode of the show. And so we need to um, we need to get some more money rolling in here, because apparently I need way more sacks of cocaine. Three, at least, depending on the size of the sack. And, uh, yeah, that's it. All right, let's... Uh... <laughs> I'm stupid. Let's listen to another track, and uh, and then we'll keep going, man. This is by Adrian Starr, off the album Emulator. This is a good 80s-sounding uh, tune. I think it, uh, it sounds pretty legit. I know he likes to uh, use his vintage equipment and stuff to make these sorts of pop songs, and, uh, and this one's called Shadows by Adrian Starr.
That was Shadows by Adrian Starr off the Emulator album. And you can check out, I think he's got a video on his uh, YouTube page. And if you want to know all his links, go to beyondsynth.com and check out the Synthwave Artist Database. It's a big database of electronic musicians. You can see if they've been on the show before. You can see if I've had them on as a guest. We're still updating it. It's going to take months and months to get it to, you know, 
completely full of information, but uh, it's a really cool resource. And uh, and that track was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. With the 2288, it's Jacob Wick. With the 1987, it's Frank Skinicki. With the 1332, it's Hampus ML. And 1111 from the lovely Chrysalia Lane. And of course, there's Fraser Davidson with the 10. Actually, these are the $10 club people now. There's Fraser Davidson, who, as you all know, is the guy who's been writing me this big document that's keeping track of all the artists I feature on the show. And that information is going right into that Synthwave Artist database on BeyondSynth.com. So Fraser has been an invaluable resource, or a valuable resource. Invaluable and valuable are the same thing, right? Anyways, other people in the $10 club. There's Justin Armour, the Patch Bag, and then there's Blake Peterson, Ken Giroux, Martin Larby, Hexenwork, Digital Dreams, Power Loader, Trevor Resnick, Poly Digital, and Elias Garnier. And uh, thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. Let's, uh, do you want to go to the junk email sack? It's... <laughs> We haven't read junk email in a while, all right? So let's just do a quick one. It's time for some junk emails. This, <laughs> all right. This is a very different one than the normal ones I, I usually read. Florence, who you know, who appears on this show, she sent me this one. When the fuck was this? Last year in May. Oh God. <laughs> so this is a year old. That shows you how uh, how efficient I am at getting to these. Someone r- wrote this email to her, and I guess they sent it to the wrong inbox unless this is like some new tactic of junk email and the email reads as follows subject about last night dick you mad bitch you made me hate my guts last night you are an ass you disgust me it makes me want to puke when i think of you you son of a bitch do not dare do that to me again sucker Because it, it, it ends with sucker. I think that's... So, I don't know what Florence did, but she uh, she made somebody mad. <laughs> do not you... Do not you dare do that to me again, sucker. <laughs> By the way, I read it wrong. It just says, you son of bitch. It does not say, you son of a bitch. Uh, so, sorry about that. I was actually uh, inserting my correct grammar... Whenever I see sucker like that, it reminds me of... You know, there's this great film called Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and uh, in it, Scorpion and Sub-Zero face off with each other, and uh, at one point, Sub-Zero makes like a an ice bridge that ends up breaking in half, and he sort of falls on his back, and Liu Kang has to save him. Meanwhile, that gives Scorpion the edge so he can go and kidnap Katana, and when he does, he grabs Katana and then goes, SUCKERS! And then and disappears into a portal with her. And it's amazingly shitty, so you should go check that out. That's Mortal Kombat Annihilation, a very important film. All right, let's listen to another song, and then maybe we'll we'll read another uh, junk email after the after the track. Man, this is a track from Cufflinks. 
I know I played a Cufflinks track a long time ago. This is a bit more contemporary sounding uh, electronic music, but uh, well, yeah, whatever. I dig it, so that's all that matters to me, man. I'll play what I want. And uh, this is a cool song. This is Cufflinks. This is Believing in the Fanter... The, f- the Fanter. Uh, Believing in the Fantasy featuring Veins. I believe that's how it's pronounced. It's V-A-E-N-S. Veins. Anyway, here it is.
And that was Cuff Links with the track Believing in the Fantasy featuring Veins. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. There's Murat, Playmaker Media, Ashley Keegan, Greg Smith, fucking Slunks, Will Lowe, Winfield, Colin Bennett, and with the lucky triple seven, it's the Rosconian and Skywolf and Hugh Jones with the 669. And time for the donation of the beast. This is the donation of the beast. You know these guys, they donate $6.66 every month. If people look directly into their eyes, they'll see just a red ring around the pupil because uh, they are possessed by dark forces and they need to show that possession by donating $6.66 to Beyond Synth. And they are Ross Pentland. Moose Nux, Rob Dyson, Street Cleaner, Orlando Rodriguez Naif, Till Wild, Straylight, Carm, Lucas Ceballos, and Renton Brax. And rounding it out with the 617, it's Polar Wildcat Studios. Now, if you want to join them and support Beyond Synth, it's patreon.com slash beyondsynth or beyondsynth.com and click on that support the show button. Now, let's read another junk email while we're here. I'm not going to play the jingle again. This is a weird one. I haven't read this scam before, so this is this is great. Mitchell Wiseman sent this in to me, so they sent it to him, and here it is. Dear Talented, I am Talent Scout for Blue Sky Film Studio. Present Blue Sky Studio, a film corporation located in the United States, is soliciting for the right to use your photo-slash-face and personality as one of the semi-major role-slash-character in our upcoming animated stereoscope 3D movie, The Story of Anubis. Anubis 2018. The movie is currently filming, in production. Please note that there will be no auditions, traveling, or any special professional acting skills, since the production of this movie will be done with our state-of-the-art computer-generating imagery equipment. We are prepared to pay the total sum of $620,000 US. For more information slash understanding, Talent Scout Kim Sharma. Alright, what is this one? This is an amazing scam, all right? You know, we've heard the fucking Nigerian prince scam a million times. We've heard the there's a dead relative and they need you as the next of kin to transfer money into the bank scam. I mean, like, that's that's old news. This is fucking amazing. So they want to pay you $620,000 to use your photo slash face and personality as a character <laughs> in the upcoming animated stereoscope 3D movie, The Story of... Of Anubis. <laughs> and you know, this is just so they can take a picture of your face and then make like fake passports and stuff. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I would love to see who falls for this. You're like sitting there telling all your friends, it's like, oh, I'm going to be a big star, man. They're going to make a CGI version of me for the story of Anubis. The f- fucking story of what? <laughs> And then meanwhile, there's like this fucking gun runner that's like (laughs) using your face as his ID. (laughs) You know, the story of Anubis is just a front for some Somalian warlord who just needs the fucking IDs to... (laughs) Anyway, 
that's a good one. I've never heard that scam before. So look, I'm all ears for new scams. All ears for new scams. What a weird thing to say. Here's a song. I... <laughs> We're going to get to Zach Robinson in a little bit, and we're going to talk about Cobra Kai uh, soundtrack and all that stuff, but I figure we should listen to more music because that's fun. So here's a track from Stills. This is uh, from the album Star Crash, and this is Test Pilot featuring The Encounter.
And that was Stills with the track Test Pilot featuring The Encounter. And that's a cool one. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. With the 520, it's Tim Brawl. And then in the $5 Club, it's Sleeve McDykel, Loki, Mikey C, David Andrews, Englishman in Texas, Tomas Zimanek. Andrew Tukas, Rachel Buchelman, Sergio Matai, Binkley, Sven Bomanis, City Bat, Christopher Albert, Daniel Dexia, Star Nomad, Michelle Vasquez, Tim Ross, Neon Knox, Damian Rudies, Phil Clothier, Lee McConnell, Zychorax, and Marco Cranendonk. Thank you guys for supporting Beyond Synth. And, you know, you can always go to BeyondSynth.com, check, uh, check off the check off the support the show button. Just check it off check it off your list you know like you're going shopping you just check that button off and i should point out if you have not been to beyondsynth.com the home of the synthwave artist database i want you to know that it is made by a cool guy called mike rezel and you can check out his website mikerezel.com m-i-k-e-r-e-z-l.com he's a super talented web designer dude if you want to know about him mike makes fucking awesome websites he's fast he gives free hosting and builds in tools so you can easily edit your site yourself after it's up and running if you need a site check him out mikerezel.com that's Mike Rezel, R-E-Z-L dot com. So uh, check it out because his site's fun, actually. He's got a fun little thing. Someone who was at BeyondSynth.com made a joke that they wanted the loading screen to be a picture of my face. And I thought that would be really funny. And then I went to Mike's website and he's already doing that. So he's ahead of you, except he's doing it for himself. But his website's funny. It's got this little animation to him, or animates like a video of him and like these shades that kind of fly onto his face. And it made me laugh. But look, he, he knows what he's doing. I had hopes, you know, for the Beyond Synth database before it was made. And then when Mike came along and offered his support, he made it better than I ever thought it could be. And so uh, please check out his stuff if you need web stuff done. Because he's a cool guy. And if you like cool guys like I do, and I do, damn it, I do. <laughs> what is it? I don't even know what that means. If that's a joke, I don't know. All right, how about this? We're going to listen to one more song, and then we're going to go and chat with Zach Robinson, and we're going to talk about Cobra Kai and all that stuff. So let's listen to a track. This is Anachronist from his self-titled album, which is Anachronist. And uh, this song's cool, man. This is The Rabbit.
And that was Anachronist with the track The Rabbit from the self-titled Anachronist album. And I dig it. You should dig it, too. I think uh, lately this dude's been doing more kind of vaporwave uh, stuff, but uh, the, you know, these faster-paced tracks I, I dig. You know how I feel about vaporwave. So how about this? Oh, yeah, first of all, that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters uh, and the $5 Club. It's Corey Valentine, Timothy Pierce, Starlight Fisher, Barons of Santa Carla, Rawl Pud, Tristan Waits, Dana Jean Phoenix, Stu M, Night Raptor, Simon Norberg, Matthew Lister, Bobby B, Cunning Corvid, Roman, Joe and Lando, and Kai. Thank you very much for supporting Beyond Synth. And that is uh, patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Now, look, we've all had a lot of fun here today. Let's go tack, tack to... <laughs> Let's go tack to Zach, uh, who is uh, waiting patiently. He's just been on the line the whole time as I did this. And uh, and now we'll go talk to him because he's in L.A. enjoying the lovely L.A. weather. Although, to be fair, the weather's pretty nice here today, too. I'm in Toronto. No snowstorm this week, so that's nice. Uh, anyway, look, let's do it. Let's talk some Cobra Kai. Are you D.A.D. in this interview or are you just Zach Robinson? Let's go Zach Robinson, a.k.a. D.A.D. <laughs> this is how I'm going to start the show, by the way, is me asking you that question. Sure. All right. Well, I'm here with Zach Robinson, a.k.a. D.A.D., although today you're just representing yourself. Is that correct? Yes. Let's say that. We got lots of stuff to cover. So first of all... It's good to be back, man. You're welcome to come back anytime. I love I loved taking you up on that. I just texted Andy and I was like, can I come on and talk about Cobra Kai? And he said, absolutely, man. Anytime. And it was great. It was super easy. See, because you tweeted out something that said that I... Uh, I mean, I, you were joking, saying that, you, you know, I don't let, let you on the show or whatever. I wasn't joking. Uh, but... <laughs> But the thing is, you're one of those people, like, I enjoy talking to you. But I think last time I wanted you to come on the show, you were just like, you know what? I haven't done music in such a long time that I don't want to. <laughs> That's true. And I was like, all right, man. But the offer is always open because I enjoy chatting with you. Awesome, man. Well, now I have something actually actually relevant to discuss. Yeah. Well, but we're not going to talk about it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just say, so you are, you are DAD and you make awesome music that I like. You've also, I guess, in the past few years... Um, you haven't been doing uh, too much DAD stuff, but you have been scoring some things. I think the last time I talked to you, you were about to score a YouTube show that was like a reality singing competition yeah, show. Yeah, it was called Sing It. That was actually YouTube Red's like first one of their first scripted series when they when they launched YouTube Red. So we've kind of uh, gone full circle in a way uh, where we are now with uh, Cobra Kai. But yeah, that was that was a while ago. That was probably actually. 2015 late 2015 what yeah oh <laughs> or maybe it was early 2016 maybe it was early 2016 well i feel like the last time you were on the show was the one where it was you and droid bishop but then you had to duck out yeah that could have been it. he joined the conversation late and then you had to duck out at one point and i just finished it with the uh, with james yeah and uh, that was a fun one that was it yeah we have good banter james and i well he's a he's a fun guy he is a fun guy but you're a fun guy too man who cares about him because you're here today true and i'm excited to talk to you so you along with somebody by the name of leo birenberg birenberg are uh, responsible for the cobra kai soundtrack 
which is the show that's on YouTube, The Return of the Karate Kid, and uh, it's all very exciting. Let's not do spoilers, only because there's a lot of people I know who are talking, you know, they're just like, oh, I can't wait to watch it, and blah, blah, and it is pretty fresh, right? I mean, like... It's fresh. It's fresh. Normally, I record the show, and I air the interviews, like, months and months later, but for people who are curious, this week is a special one, because we're actually recording this just a few days before it airs, so Cobra Kai is still sort of a fresh thing. Yeah. You, you said there was, like, a vinyl coming out? So, the album is out digitally everywhere, and there's going to be a physical release via La La Land Records, which is coming out a week from tomorrow. We're recording this on, what is it, Monday the 14th, so on the 22nd, it's coming out, Tuesday 22nd on La La Land Records. It's a CD but it's packaged like a long box. Do you remember long boxes? Long boxes? They were around for like, I don't know, maybe like five years. <laughs> like it's it's kind of a cool retro thing that no one has done that I that I can remember in the in you know recently, but it's like, you know, it's a rectangle, but the top two-thirds is the CD, but it comes in this like rectangle, long rectangle package. So that's coming out. It's a really cool design. The album art was done by Chrome and Lightning, Jared Hageman, who did the Construct album art. And then we've got a vinyl release in June, I think, but the date has not been confirmed. That's exciting. Yeah, and also the CD version has uh, an extended track list. There's like nine extra tracks, Ooh. so it's like a deluxe edition. Yeah. Well, that's a uh, that's cool, man. I've never. I, I don't super know cool. if I, I don't know that I remember long boxes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look that look, up. Look 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 it up. Yeah, you might you'll you'll remember it once you see it. It's, now, if uh, I type in I long can... box into Google, am I gonna get something stupid before I get something horrible? Look up uh, if anyone's interested. The one that I always reference is the Days of Thunder long box. Okay. Days of Thunder <laughs> Long Box. But it, it's like a it's like a fun design. It's kind of like a cool collectible looking type thing. But there's nothing on the bottom third. It's just like the CD takes up the top. Some dude's trying to sell one on eBay. Oh really? Uh, a Days of Thunder soundtrack OST long box l- CD from 1990. Yeah, Geffen Records. Dope. And the design goes all the way down. De- like it's it's really cool. I, I love how the design is just the entire rectangle. I love when these like sort of specialty items come out and. It's like, how does this go on the shelf? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got like my Blu-ray collection and everything's fine. And then I've got like the 25th anniversary uh, James Bond. Or not 25th anniversary, the fucking 50th or whatever. The one that's got all the James Bond movies. Right. And it's a long box. <laughs> it's just like this big long <laughs> thing that like, do I put it sideways and then take up way more than... Like, so I don't know how to position it, so I stack it the same way as the other Blu-rays, but then you have to have, like, two feet back from the fucking shelf. Anyway, this is dumb. Yeah, but then it it also, you you don't want it to blend into the rest of your items because it's special and you want to show it off. What was the other one? God damn, Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. When Evil Dead, and I think... Total Recall did the same thing, where they they came out with their boxes, but they were like when when they came out on Blu-ray or, D- or DVD, but they were like these weird boxes that were like weird shapes. Like Evil Dead was like it looked like a Necronomicon. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the Simpsons, when the Simpsons first came out on DVD, they came in the most obnoxious boxes. There was like one that was like shaped like Homer's head. I, you know. I was too young to be collecting, like, DVDs at a certain point. Like, I didn't get to that until I think it, like, started going out of fashion to have... Well, because I, like, didn't have money to spend on my own cool DVD collection. (laughs) But I I missed out on the cool uh, collectible 
boxes. I will say that uh, there have been a few people that I've seen on like Instagram that I guess specialize in like VHS recreations of um, modern shows or movies or whatever. Yeah. And one of them, VHS World, I think that's his, I'm going to make sure that's correct, but uh, VHS World is making Cobra Kai, physical Cobra Kai VHSs that he designs like the box and then it comes with the tape and he designs the stickers and everything. And we're getting like a few of them because we, we just kind of want them as like collectible and like to give to the creators it's it's a cool thing it's not vhs world it's vcr world is he gonna put it on extended play so he can fit the whole show on there he's actually okay so he's not putting anything on the tape it's a blank tape oh i see it's just to have like in your studio or whatever it's kind of a fun fun item well listen let's dive into this uh soundtrack here because there's a bunch of tracks i liked and we're gonna listen to some those expecting obviously because i'm having you on here because you are dad but this is um it's not quite the dad sound there's a lot of guitars going on but it's a nice soundtrack like it's big it's epic it is a proper soundtrack it's weird well here we'll listen to a song and then i'll fucking talk afterwards but um here's a cool track it's called strike first from cobra kai That was Strike First from the Cobra Kai soundtrack by Zach Robinson and Leo Bierenberg. So this was cool. Uh, what I was going to say before, and this is like a sort of a weird sentence, but it's like, even though I love synth scores and I love, um, you know, electronic music and stuff, for some reason, whenever I hear a soundtrack that actually sounds like a soundtrack with like orchestration, for some reason to me, that's a proper score. Like in quotes proper mm. And so when I hear like this, the soundtrack of this one I'm listening and I'm going like Hey this is like a proper soundtrack Like that's my <laughs> that's my reaction Yeah yeah, I get that I would say there's no such thing as a proper soundtrack It's just yes. whatever It's, know, it's what I feel in my head when I hear one totally. like, and, and that's something that we actually like considered When we were putting the album out And kind of designing the order of the album We really wanted it to not feel like that Like we wanted it to feel There's a lot of score albums that come out Where it's just like the music that's played under dialogue and it's not that interesting it's just kind of like the score it's the underscore and a lot of people are are into that that's cool but we really wanted it to feel like an album like something that each track is like a new song that you could listen to in the order really mattered it's not chronological order on the album but strike first is one of those it was one of the earlier ones that we wrote because it's in the first episode and it's this isn't a spoiler it's in the trailer but when you're introduced to johnny one of the first things he does is beat the shit out of a bunch of teenagers yes and that was something where we were establishing kind of like a thesis about Johnny's music mm-hmm. and about the music overall in Cobra Kai is that we this was one of those moments like these set pieces where we wanted to 
tie it back to the 1980s aesthetic. So I've, I've seen a few funny comments about how like this sounds like Street Fighter, which is kind of accurate. <laughs> but that one actually, I would say, has more of, of a DAD sound than than some of the other more uh, orchestral ones on the album. And that one I think we're proud of because we it was one of the first things we sent over to the creators. And that was kind of a risk. Like when you when you're working on a soundtrack and you're like, OK, here's like the first thing you're going to listen to mm-hmm. on your on your show that you've been working for for years working on for years like it's going to be this like kick-ass 80s throwback synth rock cue there's going to be some risk to that and i give a lot of credit to the creators i give a lot of credit to youtube red for being down with that and open to us uh doing that type of music well it's definitely what i love is uh like some of the tracks on this album are like they're big mm-hmm. like they're just so epic and it's awesome because I, I like when i like when scores are bold where it's just like fuck it like we're just gonna do, go huge like i like that and i think with this one uh, it's pretty sweet it's got like these big like fast guitar bass lines and there's like some chants that like come in oh yeah the chants yeah. it's so good like it's a it's a fun thing thanks man yeah yeah it's it's fun and, and this was something that we also talked about as being like the music that johnny hears for himself like in his head mm-hmm. like he's he's a lame guy and he's doesn't really have anything going for him but when he is in the zone and he's just kicking the shit out of these kids mm. he's hearing this music he's in a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie right that's what he values is being badass because that scene is awesome and like what <laughs> I just love that like he is actually full on like beating up like high school kids yeah and it's great the way they directed it is like this one shot just kind of like panning and panning and like they're coming out of frame and he's kicking them back out of it it's, it's great you know in terms of what you were talking about like keeping it big one of the challenges that Leo and I you know, we talked about this a lot. It's like, it's a fucking karate kid. Like, mm. this is a very, very big piece of American cinema. You know, a lot of people, including the creators, grew up worshipping this franchise. As You know, they talk about how it's like their Star Wars. So they wanted to treat it like that. And it's it's big. It's big in scope. It's an epic saga that's been, that's spanned 30 years. Like, this was a, it was a big undertaking. We really needed the music to reflect that. Well, I only admitted this to my listeners probably last week or the week before, is I've only actually recently watched Karate Kid all the way through. Right, this was a big controversy I saw on Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are a ton of 80s movies I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. I usually just focus on the ones that I have. And then every so often someone, you know, they'll find out like, wait, you haven't seen such and such and I'm like no sure sometimes you know when you don't watch movies when you're a kid and you get older and you finally see them it's like what the fuck was everyone talking about because they watched it as a kid what I found with Karate Kid that was actually really surprising because literally I watched it like three weeks ago yep was that it's a pretty good movie yes yeah that's it. Like it, <laughs> it is a it is a good movie. <laughs> it, like I was sort of surprised because there's a lot of things it has going against it for me personally with things that I normally don't like. I normally don't like movies about kids. Mm. Like I find kids to be annoying mm-hmm. and I prefer my protagonists to be adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, it's just a thing. Sure. And so I was always kind of like, ah, the karate kid or whatever. But then I watched it and I was like, hey, like I actually uh I really liked uh, Ralph Macchio in it. Like, I thought he was really good. I was like, hey, he's actually like a likable lead character. Like, I was rooting for him, and Mr. Miyagi was cool. Like, I bought into the premise of the film, and I thought it was fun. Like, I loved how abruptly it ends. Oh, yeah, that's I I love that, too. (laughs) And the second one kind of ends like that, too. Yeah, just the second. He he wins the fight, and then the fucking John's like, hey, man, you're all right. And just cuts the credits, and like, what? I know. I actually think about that a lot, because it's just the way that, you know, movies and TV is made nowadays it, it would never get made 
like Karate Kid, that last, you know, three minutes where the music is building and building and building and it's that wide shot and he gets in the crane kick and then he just fucking kicks him. I'm like, that's it. And, and there's no like stop in the music. It's just like, da, da, and then it goes, da, 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 da. I'm not even, I'm not singing it correctly, but it, uh, <laughs> it's uh, Daniel's moment of truth. It's Bill Conti. But it happens so fast. He kicks him in the face, he crawls away and then the movie ends and that just, it just wouldn't happen now. It's like, and even the way that you would score it would be, would be super, super dramatic and, mm-hmm. and the build would be bigger, but it works. I mean, it obviously works, and I can appreciate how it. There, there's a certain amount of fanfare that was required for that, and they didn't overdo it. Yeah, I think the awesome thing about Karate Kid is is how layered it is and nuanced, and that's why the creators Josh, John, and Hayden had so much room to develop mm-hmm. these new storylines because you've got Daniel, who's you know it's pretty straightforward, like his saga and his trajectory and where he came from and where he's going, at least in that movie. But you know, you've got that scene with Pat Morita where he's drunk and he's seen some shit he's been through a lot of shit you've got Johnny who on the surface is a bad guy but when Kreese tells him to sweep a leg you can see the like the terror in his face he doesn't want to do it and it's that's just like a five second less than that it's like a three second shot Mm -hmm. and there's already a story right there right and then you've got Kreese and you have like their relationship and it's an abusive relationship there's so much world building happening and that only you know expands with Karate Kids 2 through 4 it was special it's special to be a part of wait wait 4? yeah there's 4 the Hillary Swank one it's called The Next Karate Kid that's 4? yes fuck I always thought that was 3 nope 3 is is a different one they come back Kreese is back Terry Silver is the bad guy in that one. Oh man. Yeah. I'm fucking way out of touch. Oh yeah. Well, I like the first one. <laughs> yeah. Well, have fun. The others are great too. The others are great too. Like they're they're super enjoyable. Oh man. Well, listen. Let's listen to another track and then we'll uh, we'll keep talking about this. Cool. Uh this was another one I loved. This one's huge. Uh the All Valley Tournament. Yeah. This one is fucking epic as hell and uh, we're going to listen to this now. This is the All Valley Tournament from the Cobra Kai soundtrack.
And that was the All Valley Tournament from the Cobra Kai soundtrack by Zach Robinson and Leo Berenberg. That song's amazing. Like, just these epic fucking brass sounds, big drums. When you listen to that without knowing the picture to it, like, that would be at home at, like, a Conan movie. Dude, that's so funny that you just said that. The, the image in my head with that is like either Conan or like Jason and the Argonauts yeah. or something. <laughs> like very like heave hoey and it's like, or not Jason, like Sinbad. Like, um, yeah, it's the it's the brass. It's like when you do big brass like that, I was like, yeah, I was picturing Conan. I'm like, fuck, yeah. man. It's like you're on a Viking boat and it's like heave ho, heave. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 got that that very like primitive rhythm. Yeah, that's the cue that's happening. the The tournament is has just started, and you're it's a montage of of the tournament progressing. You know, the early stages of of the tournament, like how they do those scenes in movies, and you see the people changing the names on the bracket. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, classic. So it, it worked pretty well, and it kind of is serves as a as a bit of like a it's not an overture because it's in the last episode of the series, but it, it recalls a lot of the themes that we've heard throughout the throughout the show. My favorite one of those montage things in a, in a fight movie is in Mortal Kombat when uh, Goro decides he's going to start winning matches, <laughs> and then there's just this montage of like dudes in karate outfits just landing on some rocks, <laughs> and then it just does this montage of them just slamming into the rocks, and after a while, it's you can sort of tell that they're reusing the same guys. Oh, that's awesome. Just to show that there's so many people like hitting the rock. Anyway. When did that first Mortal Kombat movie come out? Like 95? Uh, yes. Some, yes, around there, yeah. That's awesome. Gotta rewatch it. And I gotta rewatch Annihilation, too. Well, Annihilation is a very important film that everyone should see. Yes. Because of, it's so terrible. <laughs> yeah. So then they didn't decide to do like a Rogue One Leia type thing and just have like a CGI Pat Morita? <laughs> Not yet. Maybe. I doubt it. They honor Pamarita a few different ways. And, you know, there's a scene where Daniel visits his grave and there's flashbacks. They did it really um, with a lot of class and there were no no holograms involved, but maybe that was a budget thing. See, I think it would also be equally as classy to have a CGI Pat Morita show up and fight like Yoda from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Like, or, or a CGI Pat Morita, like that gif that everyone uses. I don't know if you've seen it of like Pat Morita, just like, you know, his mouth closed, nodding, like very approvingly, just like, yes. Yeah, they just, it's at the end of Karate, like, but it's just like a CGI version of that. <laughs> well, it'd be awesome just to take it from the film, cut it out. Yeah. And then literally like he doesn't talk. He doesn't. So he's still alive, but he never really talks. And they just say something like he lost his voice. Yeah. And so it just keeps on cutting back to old footage of him just nodding. And like everyone sort of speaks (laughs) for him. (laughs) We honored Miyagi through the music as well. Mm -hmm. Leo is a he grew up on woodwinds and flutes and stuff. So he he plays a lot of the flutes that are on the uh, soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And that was a big discussion that we had was talking about like which flute to use. What's the flute that we can best connect to the original Conti score. Mm-hmm. And when we have those moments in the show with Daniel, either talking with his daughter, with Sam, or remembering Miyagi, working on a dojo or whatever, like we go back to the flute and we go and we also use some of the original Conti melodies. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to do that. That was kind of like a through line that we had. So who is this Leo dude? Leo is a great man. Uh, Leo, if you're listening, I'm going to give you a big virtual hug and a kiss. Leo and I worked together at Chris Beck's. We met there and we worked uh, in the trenches there for a few years together working on movies that we've talked about before like Frozen and The Muppets, Edge of Tomorrow and Ant-Man. And Leo is an incredibly talented composer and we came up 
kind of with different backgrounds. Like Leo came up more through uh, like orchestral background, but also like choir and musical theater. And he's a winds player. And I came up through, you know, rock, electronic music, Mm. guitar player, that type of route. And we both studied music at school. He went to NYU and USC and I went to Northwestern. But we met back in L.A. And um we just work really well together. Like we just, it's, I think collaborating with other people and I feel like I don't collaborate a lot and I get hit up about doing collaborations via DAD stuff, but it's hard for me because I think the hardest thing about collaborating is the shorthand that comes with it. It's not necessarily like musical abilities and balancing each other's talents and skills. It's the fact that like Leo and I, we just know how to approach music in a very similar way, especially scores. So we're working on a project and we have separate studios, but we can get it. We're on the phone constantly. We just say, okay, like you're going to tackle this. I'm going to tackle this. Let's talk in an hour. And we know exactly how we each think and what we, the advice that we need to give each other to make the scenes better. There's no holding back. Like we both don't take anything personally. Mm. It's a really streamlined working relationship, but we're also very good friends and we have a lot in common. We just have always worked well together and that being said like we both do our own things as well and Leo's got a bunch of TV shows that he's working on and he does like a lot of animation stuff which is great but that's not kind of what I'm good at I don't think I'm good at animation and there's probably stuff that I do that's not necessarily all in his wheelhouse but you can do everything too so this project in particular worked very well for both of us it kind of hit every element that we're collectively good at we knew that we were gonna accomplish this and get it all in on time on a tight schedule yeah that's that that's leo well that's a very glowing review of leo (laughs) and you should check out yeah check out some of his score he did uh the show son of zorn that was on fox last year yep i know that one he did a great documentary called red army which is one of my favorites it's a hockey hockey documentary about the russian hockey team it's not beyond synth material necessarily but well you know i'm i'm a very complicated guy you know I, i like lots of things yeah good (laughs) <laughs> i know you do i know you do <laughs> well look let's listen to some more tunes man awesome this is a track that i dug this might be my favorite one from the album you know i gravitate more towards the synthy stuff of course yeah and this track slither yeah i knew it you know you know i like it yeah and we're gonna listen to <laughs> we're gonna listen yeah. to it now
And that was Slither from the Cobra Kai soundtrack by Zach Robinson and Leo Bierenberg. And I'm here with Zach Robinson today, who is also known as DAD. This is a very complicated thing, I have to say, after every track. There's a lot of... You just killed it, dude. It's good. You don't have to say it after every track. It'll say it in the title. But uh, obviously this one I dug. It's got that sort of opening synth thing that kind of reminds me of uh, sunglasses at night. Sure. Uh, that's what it conjures in my head. But it's good. It's good stuff. Awesome, man. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, that one is that one's probably the closest to a DAD uh, track you're going to get. So enjoy it. That's actually the training montage cue. You know, our first like big training montage in the in the show happened in the beginning of episode five. We wanted to score that like the way that kind of we all imagine it being scored. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because the 80s montage is a cliche now, right? At this point. Yeah. And it's been used in just like everything. It can be used in any comedy. It can be used on whatever, like an ABC sitcom. I've been having an issue with, with this though because I love, you know, I love synth stuff. I love 80s things and stuff like that yeah but lately pretty much every project that is like sort of an 80s throwback is parody yeah it frustrates me a bit because i don't think it has to be like i, I like when when projects are genuine and when it's like hey man no like there's something awesome about a fucking synth scored montage like it, it's exciting like it can be really cool it's just that Absolutely. lately so many of the 80s throwback stuff that have reached the mainstream it's like stranger things is like one of the only ones that's like hey this is a serious thing right Right. Whereas everything else is like a comedy of some kind. Of course. And first of all, I just don't think it's funny anymore to like do if you if you're writing a script and you're like and it doesn't have some type of either connection to the 80s or, you know, we'll talk about how it works, how Slither works in the show. But it's just not funny. Like, don't just don't do it. Like, it's it's overdone. Well, it's lazy. It's, it's, it's lazy. Like it's lazy. It's lazy. Right. We'll throw a guy with a mullet wig and then play some synth music. Right. And just like, dude, like or just like it's like just a dumb like dad character working out. Let's put an 80s montage. It's like come on mm -hmm. like it's whatever but the reason that it works i think uh in cobra kai is because a i don't think it's parody i don't think it plays like parody at all but that's partially because we've by now in episode five we've established what the score style is right mm -hmm. so that's number one like we've got we've already said like hey in this score in this series we're gonna be hitting those kind of 80 synth moments and we've established that so it works two is because karate kid is one of those is where the 80s montage came from like it's yeah. <laughs> it's you know you're the best around it is the quintessential 80s montage song i think that's even more than in a way than like eye of the tiger or whatever like it's just a, it's because it's more like synthy and stuff mm -hmm. but it really is in the canon of 80s montage so it felt natural and felt like we needed to do it yes it's a nod and a wink but it actually worked really well with what's happening on screen and miguel who is the subject of the montage is a great character and it's we've spent a lot of time with him already and now we're really seeing him change not just like physically but mentally and gain confidence and this is one of his themes this is one of his sounds like our sound leo and i talk about how how the sound of the new cobra kai generation was we pitched this too like it's it's heavily inspired by modern synthwave because i think synthwave when we've talked about this modern synthwave is our collection of how we remember the 80s it's not really how it's i, I always think that synthwave isn't the sound of the 80s it's how we choose to like remember the 80s Yes, yes. It's that type of nostalgia. And that's kind of where we started building off the sound for the new Cobra Kai. But we mix it with a lot more kind of rock because, you know, they're Johnny students and he's very rock 
hair metal heavy and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So that's how I feel about that piece of music. And I'm we're we're both really psyched about it. And we're psyched that we even like I've shown this to other composers and they're like, how the fuck did you get this in a show? Most of the time you show something like this to a client or a creator or whatever, and they're going to be like, no, this sounds, no, we're not yeah. <laughs> going to put this in a, in a show today. We're not going to do it. But the creators were so down. They were so down. That's the way to go when it comes to scores now. Like, just be fucking bold and just do it because there are too many scores. Look, I don't, I'm busy. I, I don't get a chance to watch a lot of things. And so whenever I do get to the cinema, it's to watch big movies. It's to watch fucking Marvel films and mm-hmm. Star Wars might be a write-off at this point, but like, Marvel films and they just have these scores that just fucking blend and disappear into the background and they're not memorable and I'm not humming anything when it's over right it's sort of a sad state of affairs that like the Avengers score is the most memorable one even when Avengers first happened I remember going like "Ah, that's okay but now it's like compared to everything else in the Marvel universe it's like hey I mean this one kind of technically has a theme it is like four notes well you know what I'm a little biased but I actually do think Ant-Man you probably can't help it but I do think Ant-Man is is one of the more memorable ones because it actually lasts for more than a bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, it's, and, I, and I think about this a lot too is because like the Marvel themes, especially in a movie like Avengers, they have to be really quick. A hero comes on and they, it's got to be three notes or whatever mm-hmm. because they've they got to hit it. The character comes on, they hit the theme and they move on really, really, really fast. So I like the Ant-Man theme because it, it's an interesting, it's an, an interesting meter. It's in seven, eight. I think it's got a memorable melody, but yeah, it's tough, dude. I completely agree with you. Those movies is, they're hard to score. I, I recognize the problems that must go into doing it. Like I enjoyed Ant-Man, but I only watched it. I think I've only seen it once and I maybe like flipped through it on Netflix, like watching my favorite scenes. Right. So I don't, yeah. I don't really remember the score, but I mean, I enjoyed the film. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. I mean, I enjoy all the, I, I like probably pretty much like all the marvel films i mean like <laughs> yeah i i loved uh i loved infinity war yeah no it was awesome yeah like my only critique is i wanted it, it sounds dumb considering what the plot of the film is but i kind of wanted the stakes to be higher in terms of <laughs> like i wanted some meaningful deaths and yeah i feel yeah. like like, I'm trying not to spoil it. Well, I think people... Well, whatever. But the, the point is that... Just fast forward. When the when the end came around... Because, you know, before, like, you know, it used to be Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. Right. And then they started distancing themselves from the idea that, you know, the, the next one is going to be a very different film, they keep saying. Right. But when this one ended, I was like, well, this is clearly just half of a thing, right? Even, even if the next one is, like, maybe tonally different, where it's like, it's a race across the galaxy to make a new glove or something. <laughs> yeah. The events that, at the end of this film have to be the complete thing that guide the next movie because it was it was a cliffhanger ending like in my head I was thinking like maybe they've broken it up because this is going to be its own film but then the ending sort of I was like oh well they clearly got a fucking reverse some of this obviously <laughs> like so right so right. It, t- it took away some of the drama for me totally i i mean it takes away some of the drama when you just look at the slates and you just say like okay well they're making a black panther movie in two years so like he's he's not dead there was really no ceremony to his disappearance it was like yeah there was to one of the other characters yeah which was like a big deal but like we we know that this has to be reversed right. so and i think some of the contra uh, like some of the contracts are ending. I don't know how many more movies Robert Downey Jr. has, but you know, like I can imagine, I can imagine him being dead. No, I want them to like at this point, but I was for some reason when they said it was going to be two separate films, mm-hmm. I was anticipating like, yeah, like Iron Man's going to fucking die at the end doing something heroic and Captain America is going to go down and stuff. And then, although I do like what they've done because for the next movie, it does allow the 
the movie it's going to have to focus on basically the core Avengers team. So that's right. cool narratively because that sort of will like level the playing field of like having to deal with like 100 characters yeah. in the film. Like that's nice. And I guess they did that on purpose. So I'm just hoping, you know, they've made like 20 movies and I just want them to start killing some fucking characters. Like, you know, like that's, <laughs> I know. that's so and many the lack films. Of stakes is Dude, that I I know that, but uh, just get used to it, right? Like the Star Wars movies, there's going to be a Star Wars movie for the rest of our lives every single year, mm. and I'm gonna see Solo. I'm I'm pumped about it, but like I kind of know he's not going to die there, and it's not like I need like every main character to die, but like look, there's something to be said about why Game of Thrones is so successful, and it's because you truly do not know what's going to happen. Yeah, you go to the movies because it's two hours of just having a lot of fun, and I think the the evolution of higher tier content is just moving towards TV naturally because of that reason. They can take more time, they can have more risks. There's a lot of stuff with Cobra Kai that like I'm super pumped to see what happens on the show. I don't know what's happening beyond season one, but mm. a lot lot of room for and it, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone's gonna get decapitated or something yeah. but um, <laughs> there's gonna be no red wedding in cobra kai is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know <laughs> maybe you know once it hardens and gets to season three it's like the avengers were all kind of fun and you know you look watch avengers one and it's so cartoony yeah maybe cobra kai season seven will uh have some bloodshed i have no idea <laughs> Here, let's uh let's listen to another quick song here and then we'll we'll keep chatting. Cool. This is a short one, but it was awesome again. This is like a just a short awesome sting track. Uh it's called Venomous. And that was Venomous from the Cobra Kai soundtrack by Zach Robinson and Leo Bierenberg. And we're here chatting with Zach right now Hiya. about movie stuff. That's a little short track, but I like those little sting tracks. Those are fun. Yeah, that one's kind of short. Is it? How long is that? That's like a minute and a yeah, half? Yeah, that, that's a that's a tiny one. Yeah, that's long in score cue world. Well, a lot of score cues, especially when you're like in a comedy, like you said short. And I was like, oh, he's going to play Venomous. That's kind of long because it's like most of most of the cues and there's a lot of them on the soundtrack are like a minute. You know, like when you're scoring comedy too, especially like, or I should say a 30 minute show, there's not a lot of long pieces, but a minute and a half is pretty long. Three and a half minutes, like that other one, like uh, All Valley Tournament is very long. Yeah. That's a very, very long cue. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was listening to this as like just sort of a, an album of music. And so like some of the tracks I gravitated towards were just like the longer ones for that reason. But when it's a cool little sting, I dig it too. Right. I mean, yeah. And Venomous has some of the elements that, that you like as a, as a music listener like that's a fight cue kind of like at the end especially with the last like 30 seconds I think there's a lot of uh, inspiration from you know the kind of darker synth stuff 
like Perturbator and Carpenter Brood and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We tried to hit that a little bit. How did you come to score this show? We saw it on Deadline, which is a, <laughs> it's kind of an industry website. Mm, I know Deadline. Oh, wow. Look at you. A few months ago, like every article was just fucking <laughs> producers leaving their companies because they're like in sexual oh, harassment. There's like thing. a sexual assault center. Yeah, yeah. That was dude. Deadline. Yeah. Like that was like every single story on Deadline. There was this point where it's like, you know, I'm happy for, you know, uh, bad people to be like kicked out or whatever but at the same time i'm yeah. like remember when movie news used to be fun yeah when it was like hey here's a cool movie that's being made and then like every day was just like guess who's a molester today i'm I like know. fuck me i know it's a true reckoning man well we can have a beyond synth podcast about electronic music in the me too movement but <laughs> now well and there's a lot to be said there's a lot i believe there's a lot to be said um <laughs> anyways yeah we were on we were on deadline or, or variety or something we saw that cobra kai was or we just saw like new karate kid show at youtube red mm. we didn't know anything about it but we had the relationship with youtube red because we did sing it and um we just made a reel without asking who to send it to or whatever we made a reel we put a lot of action music on there we put we put some 80s stuff like some DAD was on the reel just to say like hey like if you're going to be doing this kind of 80s thing like we might as well just like put some of that music on there and then we put more modern sounding kind of television music as well because mm. we didn't know anything we didn't know what the tone was they hadn't released anything about the show we didn't even know the original guys were in it we kind of thought it was going to be like the Jaden Smith one sure you know YouTube Red like some influencer is going to be like the new Karate Kid anyway <laughs> Our agent <laughs> sent it over to Sony. They're the studio on it. And they got it to one of the producers. And uh, we went in for a meeting and they were just like with the creators. And they said like, so how did you know that this is this was our show? Like you, you guys kind of nailed the tone in the reel. And we, it was just kind of like we just put what we thought the new Karate Kid show should sound like. And then we read the scripts and they were incredible. I just could not believe that this was the tone of the show. It's like a lot like I was reading. I was like, there's a lot of eastbound and down comparisons. Mm -hmm. We went in and we hit it off with the three guys. And we found out shortly after that that we had gotten it. Yeah. And then we worked on it from about November to March. It was a long project. So how was that working? Like, uh, did you produce any music? to the script like saying like here's some things we can lay down or did you like just hold off until there was actually like picture to score to or yeah we held off sometimes when you especially with this show like the tone is so important and we didn't want to write anything before they had any picture because and send it to them because sometimes that freaks people out mm -hmm. and like if we were to send them like strike first before like they had shot anything they would have been like yo what the fuck is this i could have easily seen it like freaking people out um not necessarily the creators but like maybe you know one of the, the studio or whoever like sure. there's a lot of people that have to approve this stuff so we just waited for picture and you know we started working once once we got that and we were brought on pretty early you don't always get brought on before they start shooting yeah 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 most of the time it's kind of like you've already started post but that's cool though so then you've actually sort of developed a relationship like with the actual people making the show like yeah totally totally and it was cool like you know they shot in Atlanta so we were kind of getting updates and we were talking at some point about like doing some type of pre-production musical thing like you know having a song like uh you're the best or something like that like a song that you could put on the soundtrack that was like a single but was also part of the show yeah 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 or like young hearts which they end up using in, in this show too mm. but well i think we're gonna do that 
maybe for season two. And I think it, it'll be better because we can actually like get someone cool, I think, because the show is so high profile now. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it would be like a la True Survivor, right? Yes. It won't be David Hasselhoff, but it would be in that kind of realm. Like we want to do a song that's like, you know, a montage song or something. We'll see. Well, that would be great to do like an actual original one. Right. Yeah, that's what we want to do. And they do also use a lot of like actual music. Yeah. Was any of that discussed with you guys? Like just go like, hey man, we're thinking of playing like this song in this scene or was that... Some of it. There's a music supervisor who takes care of that stuff. They were planning on putting kind of a lot of like classic rock and hair metal. I think at some point they even toned it down because there was too much of it and no one knew kind of how it was gonna go with... People are always afraid of like scaring off younger audiences, but like Young I don't know. I don't think like hair metal is gonna do that. I think people love hair metal. Mm-hmm. But it ended up working out. I mean, like, I, I think the balance is really good of, of how much stuff they chose to use. And, you know, in the first episode, they're playing Poison, nothing but a good time. Yeah, I think so. There's stuff like that. And, and that's how, you know, Johnny is represented is through he, he's stuck in the 80s. He listens to that kind of music. And there's a big thing with like REO Speedwagon in one of the later episodes. But it was fun because we were influenced by that. And a lot of the score, especially when you're scoring Johnny, has hair metal influences. You've got your like, you know, your hair metal grooves. There's a track called like Cobra Guy mm. on the soundtrack, which is basically like a one minute kind of hair metal track. And we use stuff like, you know, 12 string acoustic guitars are really big in like hair metal ballads and chorus guitars and big, you know, reverb drums, things like that. So we experimented a lot with that. That was an identifier for Johnny's score. And the best part about it was we got to bring in Myrone to come fucking shred yeah. all over the place <laughs> which was truly a pleasure and something that I've been wanting to do for a long time It's just get some real merciless shredding on a score and I can't believe we actually got to do it well that's awesome and my own is great like his his guitar is awesome yeah and he's he's just a great dude and he we live pretty close to each other so it was very easy for him to come over and just rip it you should play I'm gonna tell you which track to play next you should play King Cobra which is one of my favorites and that extensively features my Around. All right, man, let's do it. This is King Cobra from the Cobra Kai soundtrack.
And that was King Cobra from the Cobra Kai soundtrack by Zach Robinson and Leo Bierenberg. And that was featuring Myrone. Yeah, and Myrone's also on uh, that track Cobra Guy, too. Any of the any of the stuff where we really needed the, the Van Halen style shredding, he came over and did it. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It's, it's cool that you guys have this little, like, you're all near each other. Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I believe James uh, Joy Bishop lives in our neighborhood, too. Yeah, I think you guys are all there. I feel like if ever I get my passport and I go to L.A., hopefully like, I can just visit one location. Oh, yeah. And then see, see everyone. Aaron Veling was just, I don't know if that's how you pronounce the last name, but Valingo, of Valingo fame, mm-hmm. was just here. And he was kind of doing a synthwave tour of Los Angeles. Did you punch him in the head? Why? Oh, no, <laughs> you, not fine. There's, there's not, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> I just realized sometimes I make these jokes. Where I'm just like, this joke doesn't even mean anything because I'm. I, I don't want to punch him. Valingo's a good synth-related blog. Yeah, so uh, if I ever saw him, I'd punch him in the head. Guys, guys, different kid, man. Aaron does like these deep dives into like synthwave critique and film score. You you just don't do that. You got different vibes. No, I also don't really even talk about the music very often. <laughs> that's, like, that's true. That that's my angle on my music show. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But both of you, both of you guys, do really great work i think for the scene right you guys do both like really cool stuff in different ways and the podcast is a lot of fun i think a lot of people like listen to it i've been kind of like i'm not on synthetics anymore i can't see what's happening on that on that group i'm sure there's a lot of shit posting and well actually no you you should rejoin because marco myself and hoo-ha mike mendoza have taken it over oh we never actually made an official announcement but essentially rick rick retired right i knew i okay by the way rick i knew he was retiring but he he like deleted the entire blog. Well, he's gone. He 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 he's done. He's done. I know, but I thought he would still keep it up. Well, whatever. So the thing, <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways. So I reached out to Rick and I said, "Hey, man," because like I get annoyed by a lot of these Facebook groups, and I wasn't really checking synthetics that much anymore. And I was like, "Well, look, man, it's got a lot of people who." are still members of the group and I wanted to return it to be a place where people can just promote music and I talked to Rick about it and I'm like hey man do you mind if we just take this thing over like take it off your hands and so that's what we did so now let's uh we're the administrators of it and basically like <laughs> okay great I mean not much has changed yet because we it was to sort of create some synergy between the synth things that were going on so I was like hey you know this is the place and it's still going to take a while but it's going to be like sort of a hub where you know if there's synth related events going on like synthetics will promote it and stuff and Right, and one of my rules was just like no memes. Yeah. It pissed off some of the 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 moderators because they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Dude, there's like so many websites where you can go to see pictures of Ryan Gosling. Like, I want synthetics to be useful. Like, I want to actually go there as me right. and go, "Hey, what are some cool new synth artists that I can like feature right. on Beyond Synth?" And I know it's like, by the way, and I was gonna ask you, who are some artists that you're listening to right now? Because I'd like some recommendations. Well, what kind of what kind of music, man? Okay, so I'm more into if we're talking about synth music, I do love the the heavier, darker stuff. I know that's super hot right now, mm. but I am a sucker for the kind of romantic Dreamwave type synth stuff. It's, that makes me nostalgic for the late aughts when I was writing DAD yeah. and when I was <laughs> and like and finding all that music on MySpace and it reminds me of Chicago. Like so, like that stuff. Like I don't know. I I love the the Robert Parker album. Yeah, no, he's good. He's actually. I just fucking. I'm really disorganized. Like, I'm trying to get better. My, the Patreon is doing okay for the show, and I know that I can make this thing kind of grow if I just focus, mm-hmm. but I don't have a lot of time to do it. So it's weird, because literally just today, I reached out to Robert Parker, and I'm 
realizing like, is this the first time I've ever fucking reached out to Robert Parker? Like that seems mm-hmm. wrong. I've been doing this show for like six years. Mm-hmm. And there's just some people who like, I'm just sitting there now going like, why have I never? Anyway. Yeah, I get, dude, I gotta say, I'm gonna get on my, I don't know, my stool. What do you call it? But soapbox. Soapbox. Uh, your stool. Yes. My stool. I'm on my stool. Yo, synthwave shows gotta work on your flyers these flyers are batshit crazy i just saw one there's like a show happening in new york and it's like with a bunch of like big artists and stuff yep, yep. they all got the fucking big logos that all relatively look similar and then it's like on this cyber anime looking like it looks like the cover of like a perturbator album like some hmm. body that's got like wires coming out of it and, and stuff and i was like you can't even read it there's so much stuff and it makes it look cheap <laughs> And it, de- and it devalues the music. It devalues the music. I'm serious. Like, it makes it look like you're going to a fucking metal show at the Whiskey A Go Go in LA on a Tuesday at 6 p.m. Like, it's someone's just got to go in there and be like, all right, organize this flyer in like a nice way. And yeah. at least if you're going ha- to have all the logos, like, which I get then you gotta have a different background it just it's all over the place that was my, that was my well no that's a fair that's a that's a fair critique I don't make these people's flyers but yeah you do want to be able to let's make these things legible <laughs> I love and that's why I love Jared's work Chrome and Lightning because it's super clean it's really really clean and that's why I wanted him to do the album artwork for Cobra Kai because I just said to him like I don't want it to have a grid like that's not what we're we're not doing that type of album art but I want it to tell a story like Leo and I both were like we want it to tell a story we don't want it to to just be like a normal album for a soundtrack but we it's gotta look at first like we had an idea that like maybe it looked like a Judas Priest album cover with that jagged font Mm -hmm. that metal kind of 80s metal font but Jared took it to an entirely another level and it's so crisp and it's succinct and simple and it tells a story and i was super impressed by him but i don't know make make some flyers that just are are simpler that you can still have your logos but same with album art too like <laughs> album art doesn't i think we're we're past the the grids we're done with grids yeah there's certain there's things that are like these 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 clichés that when you see them enough times like one of my pet peeves now is uh songs that start with a tape deck like the tape rewinding and then right. pressing play yeah and look i get it and look some of my favorite songs start that way uh in the synth scene but the thing is it's been done also i think the problem is it's sort of a laziness it's like the wilhelm scream in movies <laughs> it's it's too much they've done it too yeah. many times now yeah I get it that it's a rite of passage for sound designers, but we're done because when I hear it, it takes me out. So I just want to say to like people, I'm just like, just make a new Wilhelm scream. Like make that your trademark as a sound designer. Get someone, one of your friends to record a funny scream and then make that the new one. And every movie you sound design, you throw that scream in and it can be like a, it can be an Easter egg for people who know you as a sound designer. So when I hear songs now, when they start with the tape deck thing, it's like, all right, look, you're using the same tape deck sound effect that everyone else used. It's not only that you're starting the track in that way, but you've gone to the same sound effect CD. Maybe you even fucking ripped it from YouTube. Yeah. Go record your own. Go find a tape deck and record your own. At least then it's like you've done your own Foley sound. Yeah, I would say that like it's been Supermotives. My my music came out. I started writing it 10 years ago. It's been a long time that this music has has kind of been around and, and 
I don't know. Like, do you? F- I don't. I don't listen to as much of it anymore. And when I do listen to, it, it's kind of the old stuff. Like, I've been thinking about yeah for the reasons that I mentioned. Like, and I've been thinking about kind of putting together like a little mix of kind of the stuff that got me into synth music in the first place. Yeah. But how do you see it growing from here? Like, what musically? Like, how or or even just aesthetically? Like, it just you feel like it. Maybe it hasn't. Do you feel like it's hit a hit a plateau? Uh, it's an interesting question. You know, like can, can a genre created by nostalgia mm-hmm. grow? beyond it you know i mean uh, like i personally just like electronic music so as far as the scene is concerned it can grow as artists you know take more risks use sounds not specific to the genre maybe like things like that but look mm-hmm. uh we gotta play another song all right because we've been we've been talking for a while so how about we'll we'll keep talking about this but we'll listen to a song first from the cobra kai soundtrack and this one was cool. This one sort of has a reprise of uh, some of the tunes from Slither. And this one is called The Cobra and the Mongoose from the Cobra Guy soundtrack. was the Cobra and the Mongoose from the Cobra Kai soundtrack. Uh, That's by Zach Robinson and Leo Bierenberg. And uh, I'm here with Zach Robinson. And we were just talking about Synthwave and the scene and how it can grow, if it can grow, you know. And and I was talking about, you know, sort of like artists uh, doing interesting things to keep the music in the scene fresh yeah. and like you know there was an artist i had on the show just a few weeks ago called wolf and raven who actually makes some pretty fun tunes he's really inspired by like video game music and like donkey kong and stuff from like the super nintendo yeah. and so like he had he had a track that i played that i loved that had like synth pan flute in it oh yeah and i'm like yeah because no one else is doing it and i said because i like when when tracks are bold when they go look i get there's an aspect of synth wave and outrun that is quote cool you know and you want your song to be cool but cool is boring to me if there isn't something interesting and neat going on so when i hear a synth track that's like okay and it's got some guitars and rock and all of a sudden like synth pan flute comes in yeah i'm like hey man they're doing something that people aren't doing yeah i could feel like the donkey kong influence but it was also like hey it's doing something different right like when i hear tracks that are just like they came off a template they're fine if you need background music for a movie or something like it would it would be serviceable but like as music i like to hear just new sounds and vocals are i think pretty important 
important in sort of giving your music character. And I like when people from different genres dabble with electronic music because it's sort of, they just come at it from a different angle. So for me, it's just like, I just like synthesized music. It doesn't necessarily have to be template synth wave stuff. Yeah. I mean, I like when people do like classical music, but play it with, you know, electronic instruments. Like I, I dig all that shit. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see kind of where it seems like it's all moving towards darker industrial. Well, no, see, that stuff is just a different crowd. Yeah. So Carpenter Brute, right? Like he brings in a big crowd. No, no, no. But that's the stuff that breaks through, though, I would say most to mainstream. Yes, but because the crowd, see, this is what I'm curious about. I will see what happens. In October, the midnight comes to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be very curious to see how many people go to that show. I think the midnight are great, like very well well-produced, very clean music. But it is like synth-pop with a retro kind of feel to it. But modern, like he's a, like the producer half of that that duo, you know, he makes dance music and stuff, so it, it has a sort of clean, modern edge to whatever. The point is, Carpenter Brute, his crowd, it's fucking metal, it's goth people. Like, if you see... Like, cause he can fill a place. Like, when he played in Toronto... Yeah, he just played Coachella. Yeah, like, it's like there's a <laughs> lot of people. And when you look around you, it's got, like, you know, those girls who have that, like, weird triangular bang haircut. Yes. When, they, when their bangs got the triangles. And, like... Yep. So he's got goth crowd. Uh, I have a buddy who is big into metal shows and stuff, and he likes going to Carpenter Brute. And then there's obviously, like, the synthy nerd crowd that's there, too. And so there's a lot of stuff going on with Carpenter Brute, whereas, like, I feel like a pure synth-pop act. That's where I'm, like... Will this draw? You know, I think I think I think they'll do well. They clean up in L.A. I mean, I know they're from the Midnight's from here, but even when they when they play California, like they played big venues. And yeah, I, I think it'll do well. Like, I think if you play, you could you could play them on the radio. And, and there's tons of pop music now that, you know, basically steals from from synthwave music and yep. and employs it. So it's not like people are, are going to hear it and be like, what is this? I've always talked about how, like. I think Madonna should should come back and do an album that is like her first album mm-hmm. because it would be insanely popular. Yes. She doesn't want to do that, I've heard. I mean, if she had it, can you imagine if she had like Nile Roger come back and like produce an album that sounded like her first album? It would it would be huge because we're just back in that cycle. I'm just interested to see. I'm I'm really interested to see like where the kind of synth wave where, where it's all going, especially just like I think there is a bit of oversaturation. Well, yeah, no, there is. And and for me personally, I play anything that I like. Yeah. So my definition of synth wave is wrong because essentially I, I put so much into it. For Beyond Synth, I just play anything I like the sound of. And if it has some sort of electronic aspect to it, like that's it for me. And that's how I'm I, like, I'm always trying to bring in new listeners by sort of reaching out and going like, hey, I yeah. don't just play fucking OutRun on this show. Like, I like all sorts of things. Right. But I don't know. Like, it, there is a contingency when you have a niche group, a small group, that there are people who, who join it because they like that it's fringe. It's a funny group. It is a funny group. But it's a good group. It's a good group. There, there's people who don't want it to be bigger. Yeah. Like, there's oh, people yeah. who sort of resent the artists who get popular, but then... I know. Well, guess what? That's music in a... Like, I mean, that's how music works. That's how, that's how the yeah. music industry works. That's how culture works. I'm sure a lot of people were pissed off when the Sex Pistols got big, but that's just how it goes and you can't blame the artists you can't blame the artists no and i i see people that do sometimes i'm like dude like the success i'm happy for anyone's success especially if like i've had them on the show or whatever i'm like then their success is my success right i mean if if that's like one more listener that discovers my show like 10 years later rising tides 
Float all boats. It only benefits people. But, you know, obviously there's some artists who have the time to invest way more um, of themselves into the music. And obviously that can't be everyone. But then not not everybody has that desire. You know, a lot of the people in the synth scene, you know, especially when they send me stuff and they're like, oh, check this out. And they, they've got like one song and it's sort of like a generic sounding synth track. And I'm like, yeah. maybe this person isn't really even a musician. Yeah, and, uh, and you know what? That's awesome, though. You know, I, I, th- I think it's cool that someone is inspired by music and they're like i want to try making it and they do it and maybe it's not at the level yet but you know we all start we all start somewhere like yes no and it's fine like it's cool i think there's sometimes people have funny expectations yeah so i mean there are some people who don't care like it's like hey here's a little fun thing i'll try and there's some people who go like hey i made an electronic song how come you don't play my music on your show or whatever i'm like well you know you know i don't like to be mean and so sometimes i just won't respond to things like that i mean you you could give criticism you could give a critique i don't like to weirdly i will only do that for like close friends yeah who i who are already proven good musicians you know like even then i'm still wary of like uh i don't i don't want to influence in a negative way my music vernacular is not great so like if i hear a track and i'm kind of like uh okay yeah yeah it's hard for me to articulate like when there's something that's not working i'm like how do I say this? It's hard for musicians to even do that too. When you're scoring something, let's say I'm I'm watching a cue that Leo had started or something, and and I'm watching it. It's it's pretty hard to articulate. You have to articulate not only what's happening in the music, but then how it relates to the picture. Mm-hmm. And it is a very difficult thing that takes a lot of time to kind of get used to. And you know, it's a form of criticism. It's just like you're working on something, and it's edit. It's just like editing a an article or a paper or whatever. But it's a tough skill set. Listen, I want to listen to another track. Okay. This was one I dug. It's called The Wrong Path. Oh, yeah. And this one's great. And it's got, I love this sort of soft melody that kind of comes in around like the halfway mark. That's mm. really cool. And uh, we're going to listen to it, man.
And that was The Wrong Path off the Cobra Kai soundtrack by Zach Robinson and Leo Bierenberg. And this one is cool. Like, I love that melody yeah. that comes in. It's sort of like a blurred flute or something. It's hard for there me to... The, there's a lot happening in this piece, and I'm glad you picked it. Because, first of all, the first half of this is lifted from Conti. It's lifted from Bill Conti. That... Doom, 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 doom. That is material from the original film. And what's happening in this scene, not to spoil anything, but it's in the middle of the tournament. It's a locker room scene with Daniel and his mentee. And he's talking about the paths that you choose, you know, growing up and, and who helps you down those paths. And it's, it's a pretty epic scene, but it's very in scope, but it's a very small, intimate one. And hence the music, why it's so quiet. But um, this is one of those cues where we wanted to tie it back to the original so it starts out with the bill conti material and then the the soft kind of flute that you like it's like a soft synth or of some sort but that is is a theme that we're that we've built off of that we introduced kind of earlier in the series so it, it blends the the old and the new and that one we both leo and i both really love that piece and we love how it plays in the show and it kind of always gives me goosebumps when I watch that because it's one of those scenes where you're working on it and you look up and then you're like, holy shit, I'm scoring the Karate Kid. <laughs> that scene is a really, really powerful scene. So one of my favorites in the last episode. Yeah, well, it's good. I, I mean, I, I feel the uh, Thanks, dude. the emotion of it, man. When I listen, I'm like, ooh, that's a nice, it's a nice melody in there. Yeah, thanks. That's the, that's the best I can do. I yeah. like the melody. <laughs> I like synth flute. That's good. Yeah. So anyone sending in uh, music to Andy, just a melody. That is good, preferably. Yep. And uh, synth flute. We have a lot of synth shakahachis on here, too. Strike First has a little bit of it. <laughs> you know, you say that in jest, like, have a nice melody, but I do get sent stuff where, like, people hit the wrong notes. <laughs> <laughs> it affects me. Like, when people do the wrong note combinations, it just strikes me in a weird way where I'm like, what are you doing? Well, you know what? As Thelonious Monk said, and my music teacher in high school always fucking loved talking about, was how there are no wrong notes mm. if you embrace it. Thelonious Monk would be like, I'm going to play a wrong note, but then I'll play it again, and then I'll play it again, and then it becomes melody. It's just a matter of how you employ the melody, like, over a, you know, a harmony or, like, a series of chords and shit. But, dude, I mean, music takes practice. It takes studying. I listen to a lot of stuff, and I definitely had some weird melodies. I'm like, why did I do I, I listen to stuff, like, not that long ago that I wrote, like, three years ago, and I'm like, this is horrible. This is not how I write music. I don't recall any DAD songs with wrong notes. They're nice melodies. I'm sure. I'm sure they're all oh, thank you, but I'm sure there. I'm sure there are a few. My biggest issue with kind of like the old DAD stuff is production related. Sure. I still think that I am just not as production savvy as I'd like to be with that type of music. It all sounds kind of like compressed to me, and it is probably. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing when I released Supermotives. Like that was just me in my dorm. I mean, that's part of the reason why I kind of moved on from DAD in a sense is because I'm just like listening to a lot of these producers, and they're really good. And I feel like they all do kind of the stuff that I would like to do, but I'm I focus on on other types of music and writing, and I, I would like to focus more on that style of production and building off of that. But they just do it so well; it's intimidating. Yeah, but man, when you feel the heart, yeah, you know, when when a song has like a lovely melody, sometimes I mean, obviously, nice production values are good. But there's lots of stuff that I've played on the show where like the production values aren't the greatest, but they're just playing a cool combination of notes, and then that's all it takes for me. <laughs> cool, dude. Yeah, like freaking. <laughs> Jazz. 
yeah. <laughs> jazz, my favorite thing. Just jazz synth. There hasn't been a lot of that. I, you know what? I do like a lot of like prog, new prog synth, synthwave stuff. I mean, like Chrome Canyon, I love. And I also, you know, I think like Ogre does a lot of that kind of stuff. They're kind of like Tangerine Dreamy type synth stuff. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I dig that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, man. We should probably fucking wind this down here. We've been talking for sure. a while. Yeah, it's, it has been. Yeah, with all the songs, this is a long podcast. Do people listen? Do you have like data on on how people listen to this show? Like, do people listen through the whole thing? Like, are they skipping around? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> Great. All right. <laughs> I, well, I have no uh, answer for you, <laughs> listeners. You can let us know. I mean, I personally like. I like to keep my podcast like when I listen to them as a listener. I can't really listen to more than an hour unless it's hardcore history. But I do know people that listen to I don't know the Joe Rogan podcast, which goes on for like three hours. One of my listeners told me like I'm the only show that they listen to not in fast forward. Okay, is it, I play music, <laughs> right. and so a lot of people I guess they use like the double speed button, like if they're listening to Joe Rogan or something, so you can make a three hour podcast. Like yeah, because I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. But lately I've been listening to audiobooks i am listening to the 20th anniversary audiobook of star wars heir to the empire that's sick because i was not a fan of the last jedi so i'm digging into the canon that they've fucking gotten rid of Mm -hmm. or they say isn't valid anymore right right and heir to the empire is like one of the like the most popular ones that's when they started that's basically what episode seven eight and nine should have been okay and it's really good. That's awesome. Are you a 1.25 timeser in terms of your listening speed? Not for this one, because it's fun, because it's like, yeah. it's a dude, he's doing like all the voices. Yeah. And there's like even like background sound effects and stuff. <laughs> so like whenever they're like in a spaceship, it's like going, boop, boop. Well, no, like there's there's laser blasts. There's, if there's a fight going on, like you have you hear la- like he's still reading the book, so it's not like a okay. radio play. Like he still is going like Luke reached for his lightsaber and blah blah. But then when he does Luke, right. he actually does like an impression of Luke's voice, and he does an impression of all the kids. And like when he does C three PO, they do like the, you know they add effects to make it more like C three PO and stuff. Like so far, I haven't finished the book yet, but it's what the new Star Wars is, should have been. It's like five years after Return of the Jedi, and like you know they're trying to set up a new government and. And Han and Leia just got married, and they're gonna have twins. And and then Luke goes back to Dagobah to see if Yoda left him any clues as to whatever. And there's like this new evil Jedi dude, and then there's this this dude called Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's like this blue guy who's kind of running the the Empire. That's gonna be my new dog's name, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, <laughs> that sounds fun, man. Anyway, the point is that the book is good. So for anyone who is like me, who's one of those angry people, it's like what you want. It's like Luke being a hero and actually doing well there you go the beyond synth uh book club has just begun yeah man this is the book club go read heir to the empire you should actually you should do that you should do a book club you could i guess although i cheat because technically i'm listening to books on tape although when i talk to people in conversation i will say the words i read the book even though technically i had it read to Uh, me yeah whatever yeah i get it yeah like i mean that's like i I say the same thing too you just you listen to a book you read the book yeah i update my goodreads when i listen to a book it's all good but yeah i mean maybe you do a maybe you do a book club where you you get some guests on talk about the book the star wars book just read and stuff (laughs) you have synth music behind you like i don't know podcasts are doing book clubs now there's lots of things i gotta do man i just need the goddamn time 
That's the key. The key is the time. All right. Well, I'll, I will let you go. I really appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. They did say they were renewing it for season two, right, Cobra Kai? Yes. Yeah. They like a week after they premiered it. It's doing pretty well. We're we're super thrilled at, at how not only well it's doing, but just like how well it's been received. And like everyone hates everything now. And the fact that what are you talking about? It has a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it has a hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes, and so no one's accusing them of hacking Rotten Tomatoes to get that score. No, but people. People are on like I've seen on Reddit being like YouTube Red is definitely like getting bots to upvote and promote this show and it's like and then I see comments of people just like no I just like liked it oh by the way we are doing a, a you know what it's not even gonna matter this is gonna air on Wednesday right we're doing an AMA tomorrow oh yeah no it'll be too late all right hope you guys liked the AMA <laughs> and thank you thank you for watching Cobra Kai everybody and thank you it's like honestly like and I told Leo this when we were starting I was like I want to make the the 80s synthwave community proud basically and like I wanted everyone to know that that they had someone looking out for them with this property with this project I was able to be like hey it's in it's in good hands for the most part look it's not scored like a DAD album but we we aimed to try to do stuff like that the bottom line is that you care I do care I care for everyone <laughs> Just get me off of this at this yeah. point. I'm just, I'm just rambling. All right, man. Well, listen, you have a lovely day in L.A. Thank you, man. Is it a good possibility that you guys will be returning to do the score for season two? Yes, sir. All right. We are, we are returning. Well, that is good news. Thank you. I'll have you back on next year when you come up with the next score. How about that? Perfect. Although you are technically welcome to come back whenever you like. <laughs> I have to keep it to a minimum or else it's going to bore the listeners. I don't care about the listeners. <laughs> That's true. You never have. Well, I'm, I have the same philosophy as like... Uh, as as uh, Lucasfilm does now, where they just just shit all over the fans, and so like that's my new policy as well. If it doesn't work for them, it's going to work for me. Beyond synth podcast, fuck them. Exactly. So I was like, oh, you guys want you guys want some synthwave music? Well, how about I subvert your expectations and then just play fart noises for two hours, <laughs> and then everyone will call me a genius because I surprised my audience. That's true. People love subversive content. <laughs> Why are we still talking? All right. See you, man. All right, man. Well, listen, it was good talking to you, and uh, we'll talk to you fucking next time, man. I really appreciate Andy. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, guys. All right, and that was Zach Robinson, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, the Cobra Kai soundtrack is great, so you should go check it out. It's on Spotify. It's every place you want to get stuff, and I look forward to the special edition release of the, the CD and stuff because that will be pretty neat. And also go check out the show, man, because it's actually really good, surprisingly good. It's like kind of cheesy, but in a really awesome way. I just really liked the writing. It was surprising. Like, it sort of took it serious, but it's still fun, and it's actually pretty funny, too. Uh, especially Johnny's character is like, I laughed a lot at, like, the stuff he said and the situations he got into. So, yeah, I, I, I dug it. So, yeah, do that, man. And look, that's the end of the show for today. Uh, thanks for listening. Next week is episode 150. We're not having any guests next week. We're doing something a little different, and hopefully, and it's fun. Like, we had a lot of fun recording it, but basically, the Beyond Synth crew... You know, every few weeks, you know, I have Marco on the show, do Keeping It 80s. I have Catching Up with Florence, uh, Mike Mendoza, hoo-ha. Uh, he does all the jingles for Beyond Synth, and I thought it would just be fun to do a show with the Beyond Synth crew. So it's all of us together, just having a lot of fun. Uh, we play games, we do like trivia, and we just, it's a its a fun episode, so we're going to listen to a ton of music next week, and uh, just have a fun conversation with the Beyond Synth team for episode 150, and that is what you can look forward to next week, so uh, 
have a lovely time in between then and uh and i'll see you guys next time on beyond synth the best synth music chat show there is thanks for Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.